Welcome in, welcome in, welcome friends to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out, What If? I am your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me out in the multiverse at Clinton Bond. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Find him out on Twitter at SeahawkersPod. And if you tuned in to Three In, Three Out, Seahawks What If? last week, you were introduced to the new, the protector of the Seahawks multiverse. That, of course, is Phil Lydic. Phil how you doing today as we get ready for Titans at Seahawks, the home opener? Well, it's good to be here. Had a great day. Of course, we all enjoyed the game last week. I'm fired up for the show. Had an awesome mountain bike ride this morning with my son around beautiful Spokane. And I was thinking about our show, the What If Show. Did a little look back at the game last week for Tennessee. You know, the, the version where you can just watch all the plays. They didn't look really good. The Titans did not look really good. Don't jinx it, Phil. Gosh. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, the cards might have looked good, but they were sloppy. I mean, the cards made a bunch of messes, but they looked really athletic compared to the Titans. The Titans looked like they were walking around in some kind of molasses. I wasn't really sure. Kyler, every time they almost had him, he would get away from the pressure. They'd have good, strong pressure, but then he'd get away. Um Arizona took the stinger. I don't know if you were thinking about the play action that the Titans are so awesome at. A little pull it from uh, Henry and then over it goes to AJ. That was out. They deleted that. I don't know how they did that, but I'm hoping Pete Ken can take something from that. And then I would say on the other side of the ball, there's a word that I have to use for Tennessee, and the word is holy. Holy, holy defense and i don't mean like the pure and light holy i'm talking there was holes all over the defense it is not the blessed defense huh (laughs) not the blessed defense it was the other holy and in the first half there were few holes for mr henry he had very few holes he couldn't hardly get started uh their coverage was sloppy their left tackle was absolutely owned by arizona arizona would own their blitz anytime they tried to blitz Kyler was going, was killing him. Now, I will say A.J. Brown, he is a strong, strong man. So if you give him a chance to have it, he's a strong man. Julio dropped a touchdown. Uh, That hurt me on the old fantasy, but I'm fine if he drops everything this week. Tannehill was okay if he had a little time. Before you you go on, Phil. (laughs) Yes. I need to know, are you starting Julio against the Seahawks this week? You know, I'm thinking of just kind of flexing him out of there just (laughs) Because I don't even want to have the slightest tiny bit of happiness if he does anything good. Okay, good. I, I need I just need to know where your yeah. loyalty lies in terms of fantasy because that is I think one place where we all get conflicted sometimes playing fantasy sure. is that yeah, okay, I, is this player good enough that I will want to be okay with accepting their touchdowns against my team? Would you it's not a good place Derek to be in Henry? Would you start Derek Henry? That's I would start I no, know. but I, I start zero. Look, how I play fantasy, <laughs> I start zero players that are playing my team, and I very rarely even uh, draft players within the division. <laughs> so you exclude. I, just, I, avoid, I avoid Niners, Cardinals, Rams, just so I don't, because that's two games out of the season that I, that I would have to bench them. I wondered if someone was going to ask me about that when I mentioned it. I almost deleted it from what I was going to say there. No, it's it's all good. So the answer is yes, you start Henry. Uh, hopefully we stop him. He does nothing, but you start the guy. I, I have to start Tannehill in a couple of leagues. He's my best quarterback. In one league, though, it's a two-quarterback two quarterback league. 
I am replacing Tannehill with Tyler Heineke tonight. And I'm like, you know what? It might, it might be the wrong, wrong way to go, but Heineke has been pretty good. That's a two QB. My other, my other quarterback is Russell Carrington Wilson. So he will be starting for sure. Something else to watch for back to the game. Bayard got a pick against the Arizona tight end. And so the free safety, big free safety, uh, he made uh, quite the move to grab that tight end. Kirk toasted him on a deep one. I don't know what they're safe, you know, what. So good play, bad play. I think and that then, was on Molden. Uh, I think that was their their other corner, their rookie corner out of UW that that Kirk caught that touchdown. Got to, so I, I hope to see some more toastings of him this week. I don't know about you guys. What if that I'm, happens? I'm fine with it. I know there's probably a lot of Husky fans that uh, you know they wish the guy all the success, but maybe not this week. Right. Exactly. Just like just like Julio Jones for you. We don't want him to catch a ball this week. Well, the universes are going to collide. The universes are going to collide. Saw a little Tennessee, some holy defense, some unholy offense, and that's okay. But I don't think we can expect the same team to show up. I hope we get even more from our Seahawks. But how about we play some what if? How about we play some what if, guys? Let's do yeah, it. that's that's let's rock, rock and roll. So last week, last week, I thought Brandon was going to nail his what if because I asked if, if a Seahawk got three touchdowns, who would it be? And Tyler got two in the first half. I know. And, and I was at halftime. I was posting like my victory dance on Twitter oh, you and, yeah. uh, and I jinxed it. Yeah, it was going to happen. It was going to happen if you hadn't done that. I didn't realize that was taking place. Should have known. So this week, we're going to have the best of times, worst of times, and big winner times. Best of times, worst of times, big winner times. So what if the best things happen? What if the best things happen before we do worst, and then we'll get to some big winner? Mr. Henry is so key to their success. Um, when he goes over 100 yards, they're 21 and 2. They are 6 and 12 if he doesn't. So what if Mr. Henry is ineffective, less than 100 there? Who is starring? What's the key? What would have been the key if he stays under 100 to staying in this happy universe? Maybe some players. Is it Ken? Is it Pete? Uh, what's going on there? And I don't know who is going to start here, but what if that happens? How did it happen? I'm going to start, and I'll tell you why I'm going to start. Because uh, it's very simple. Brandon started last week, so, so, so I'll, I'll take the rating this week. No other reason. Um, all right, so I'm gravitating towards, I'm looking at a, 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 a second-year guy that had 11 tackles last week, right? If you're stopping Derrick Henry, it's because you're, the front-line guys are doing their job, allowing for, you know, standing their guys up, Staying, staying where they got to be so that your linebackers, for the most part, can get up there real quick and make some tackles really close to the line of scrimmage. So what I'm envisioning is he's in the 80-something yard range and Jordan Brooks is like cracking 12-plus tackles because why not? So big game by Jordan Brooks. The front line does their job. Brooks cleans up and then you know, uh, Henry's at like an 82 yard uh, yards for the game. And that's a wonderful scenario. How about you, Brandon? Yeah, I'm going to flip this over to the offense because I think we Ooh, saw what man. the Arizona Cardinals did was ah, that they got yes. up early with the offense. And so you get out to an early lead, take the Titans out of their game plan of run, running the football and you, you make them beat you through the air, hopefully. And that's what we saw from the Cardinals. So 
I think that that's really the key here, because really, I think where that hundred yard stat comes from, if I've learned anything from the stats community, is that <laughs> you you tend to see those yards piling up in the third and fourth quarters when a team has a lead and they really want to run out the clock. So don't give them that opportunity. Hey, hey, Phil. I'd like to change my answer to what Brandon said. <laughs> so he's turned it into the beautiful universe where you actually get the best of both worlds, the best of the best. I mean, the offense is doing so good that their offense can't do well. Complimentary football. I like it. I like it. So more of the best of times. If Russ continues to be smoking, hot, awesome, accurate, just torching them. How will Tennessee try, and I mean try, how will they try to mitigate his damage? And do we think Mr. Shane could handle it? Uh, will we run into another third quarter like last week where it seems like some things are handled? Um, but how do you think they'll try to mitigate it? And then what can be done as a, another response? I think they're going to try and bring more pressure up the middle. We saw last week, when uh, and I suppose it was when Posick was in the game when we saw the the successful rush up the middle from DeForest Buckner they they were really able to handle the interior rush pretty well against the Colts so I was impressed there but I could see them maybe bringing some extra guys and trying to do it up the middle to really get in Russ's face and uh, and try and slow him down that way so I'm gonna I'm not gonna do the opposite. Because Brandon, you know, out, outsmarted me the first uh, the first one. You here. had a All good th answer too. Don't be down oh, on no, yourself. No. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. It, it's it's fifteen love. You got not that we're keeping track that way, but you 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 on the first one. Let's be fair. Tennessee doesn't have a lot of pass rushers. You know, like even like Bud Dupree. I think he had I think he had a, a like a singular tackle. He's coming off of a nasty injury. They're kind of bad there, right? They, they they don't get consistent pressure. So if they it's weak. Yeah, right. That's so why I think try, they need to bring some extra guys. I got you, but I think we get, they'll get burned if they bring extra guys. I'm Kyler gonna, killed them when they brought extra guys. Yeah, I, I don't think they had the the coverage guys to bring extra guys. I don't think they're all that talented on defense. I think that's been played out for you know quite a while now. So I think they might do the opposite. I think they might do a lot of trying to get what they can get with the four man rush. Maybe even do some three man stuff and try to do a little bit of confusion over the middle. You know, some zone stuff to kind of confuse. Not that Russ is easy to confuse. However, um, you know, historically using the short intermediate over the middle stuff is not what Russ has done great over his career. So maybe trying to push it to the outside, try to get him back into that 2020 stuff and use like the, a, kind of a zone trap, if you will, over the middle with more bodies. That's what I think they may try in that scenario. Not saying it'll be effective, but that's, that's what I think it will give them the possible best shot to confuse Russ a bit. Um, you know, the best thing that might confuse Russ is that it's going to rain probably on Sunday. And I know some people don't, don't talk about that, but, uh, you know, facts are facts and stats are stats. Yes. The rain could be one of the worst of times for Russ, unfortunately, but staying along with the best of times, those would be the best ways. And I think likely scenarios, uh, some of those that could take place the worst of times. What if it does happen? I mean, we've seen them score our offensive line all over the place, which you know, this week, and I'm not really sure the interior, like ESPN had them at top 10 interior 
uh, pass block win rate. Then you look over at PFF, which is, I think, always wrong. So whatever they say, <laughs> you take it as a good. They said they were 19th on it this week. I, I'm not really sure. But after watching that team, watching Tennessee, if Russ is getting sacked a bunch this week, and this would be the worst of times, but if he is, how would you pie out the blame or credit it? How, how would you pie that out? So that, that's also asking to to understand or think about where the pressure might be might be getting to him from, right? Um, so I'll go with the the chalk answer right now and say we still have our our woes are still in the center in the center position. So leap, you know, piggybacking on what Bra- what Brandon had said, if they are going to try and you know kind of go up the gut there um, over the nose tackle, that might be the only place I could see it. I could see it leaking because we are we're in a better fundamental spot like whatever pff ratings espn ratings whatever like it wasn't great protection last week it was pretty good and then carson carson's very good at making sometimes something out of nothing um certainly good enough on the touchdowns each of the four touchdowns you know three of the four he had really good protection the one the, the lob to lock it was a little bit of a you know he had to get rid of it fast so that's my quick answer is that they'll it'll maybe be some leakage right over a fuller who is clearly still, uh, you know, the, the weakest link in in what is an otherwise pretty okay line, verging on good. So that means that if the O line is good, and yet Russell is still facing pressure, I, I could see it having something to do with Russ, because holding on to the football too long is something he is prone to do. One of the things that we saw last week against the Colts is that Shane Waldron has the ability to call plays that allow Russ to dump it off quickly, and he has to take advantage of those. So if if he's not doing that, if the O-line is actually providing good protection, the only guy left to, to have it fall to is our quarterback, Russell Wilson. Yeah, if he's enjoying the long ball candy, living in last week and thinking I'm going to get more. Did you all notice a couple times last week where you look in the screen and there's that short pass, and you're like, oh, he's got him right there. And then Russ is like, Letting it go further. Two times, there was a guy further down. They both were open. How does Waldron do that? Or I don't know what's going well, on. That's but not Waldron. Focused- Waldron designed the play correctly. <laughs> Russ has to yeah. take advantage. Yeah, And he's taking the long one. Which is but okay. what if the long one's not there? Well, right. but, but that's that's what Russell Wilson does. Yeah, it, it is what he does. And, and, and you know, I know I know we're verging on, on the nits here for sure. That's okay. Um, I, I do want to say one we talked about last week, and I do want to mention, did you guys notice that like at least once, it might have been twice, that we got to the line of scrimmage and the play clock thingy wasn't even on the screen yet? Because <laughs> that starts at like whatever, 25 or something like that, right? They don't even put on the screen yet. I was like, this, I, so I'm looking for it. I'm like, oh, it must be broken. I'm like, nope, it hasn't even arrived on screen yet that was that was quite different and something that i just uh it just when you said what you said brandon it reminded me of that that joy i was like oh my gosh we're at the line so freaking early (laughs) oh and then russ was checking down often actually into runs he was checking down into handoffs to carson which were going for five six a clip so just all around quite interesting i expected you guys to talk about that quite a bit on the three and three out recap show because i know Brandon and many of us have been looking forward to, hey, Russ has 20 seconds to actually make some adjustments at the line. I I was trying to figure out a way to make that a what if scenario, and I just couldn't quite come up with it. But if that keeps happening, imagine all the growth and opportunity Russ is going to see when he just gets used to having a play right away and he can go up there and kind of 
solve what's taking place. I don't know how to make that a what if question, but uh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Sure was. Best of times, worst of times, big winter times will come up here in just a second. I did have another worst of time. If Tennessee is controlling or hanging with us into the fourth quarter, if they're, if he's, they're staying right with us, maybe a little ahead into the fourth quarter, I want to give you a chance to get into your nooks and crannies that I know you like to get into. What Titan player might be a surprising nuisance if something we might not have foreseen if they hang with us. I'll take the the first stab here. And I think it's, I believe his name is McNichols, right? He's the backup to Henry. The reason is he's becoming more of a third down back where in it last year and the year previous, like it was just like Hen whatever. Henry would just be out there. Henry would be out there. They didn't really use like a James White style back or like a Giovanni, you know, Giovanni Bernard style back. Um, or Naheem Hines, who we saw quite a bit last week. McNichols is starting to get a little more, first of all, the, the two-minute drills or the four-minute drills sometimes, and some of the hurry-up stuff, third down sequences, it's McNichols getting more snaps. So if they're extending drives and we see McNichols end up with a stat line that's something like six receptions, 71 yards, something like that, then he's going to be a catalyst for this game being rather close. The other guy on offense that I would point to is, and if we're talking under the radar guys, would be Josh Reynolds. And it's a guy mm. who Seahawks fans are familiar with because he played for the Los Angeles Rams. Now he's on the Titans. He was out last week against the Cardinals, but he was fully practicing earlier this week. And so we could see him in the game and because it was one of their other receivers. Uh, was it Chester Rogers that was like their leading receiver against the Cardinals, which... Totally unexpected when you got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. But because there's so much attention on those guys, it could leave a guy like Josh Reynolds as the the guy to be the annoyance on the offense. All right. Yeah, I'm, I feel pretty good about our slot and I feel pretty good about our safeties. Obviously, our big concern is if we can s- stop Henry, one of those outside guys. Um, but Julio's doing been doing some slot stuff, too. So hard to say, yeah, if they put... If they put Reynolds or something there on the outside. So how about some big winter times? If Some big winter times. If we receive the ball back down by five with under two and about two timeouts, how are you feeling and why? With everything that we've seen from Russ. See, now, this this would be the first time that we'd have him in the situation with the Shane Waldron offense. Yeah. With, with that type of situation. But historically, Russ... Under two minutes. I mean, we saw the stat come out this week that he's three touchdowns away from passing Joe Montana all time in touchdown passes oh, yeah. for the you career. You said Joe Montana. <laughs> no, I'm not. Not the knockoff uh, quarterback. Uh, the the real the for real one, Joe Montana. Which is which is awesomely impressive. Anyway, we continue. I, I definitely. Uh, <laughs> and, well, another stat though that uh, that he passed. Montana on last year was his fourth quarter game winning drives. And so to have that for Russ to be in this position in his career is pretty incredible. And so I tend to feel pretty good when he has the ball late. Uh, So I'm going to, I'm going to take a different, well, I'm going to give a different answer. Um, And my answer, the other answer is we shouldn't be down 
going that's, into the, the last possession. Well, this is it, it's it's more towards that, right? So like, if we are down, it's going to be you know in Russ we trust and and he's done it before and and you know, even the Minnesota game last year, right? That was like ugly, sloppy, and then he just turns it on, gets the gets the beautiful touchdown. I think that was like a locket dive in the end zone, and away we go. We 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 get out of the, get out of there with the victory. Uh, however, if we're down by five or two minutes to go, then for me, Phil, I feel like this game is something like at that point, like seventeen to twelve. You know, oh, you do. Be, I was thinking like it'd be thirty six forty one. No, I don't think so. I, I do. I do not see. I don't see Tennessee running with us in a shootout. Just don't see it. I just if if we're clicking, I think we win this going away. If we're down by five with two to go, I think we haven't scored twenty yet. It's been really sluggish, and then it's like that whole you know wet ball rust thing is just right in our face again. So. If we're down by five with two minutes to go, how do I feel? I feel um, panicked. I feel from you know in this in this scenario, I feel worried because we had not done it all day. If that's the scenario that that we're in, that's that's my guess. What's a what's a better position to be in uh, in your mind if they were giving the ball back to Tennessee up by five with two minutes to go, turning it over to the defense? You got AJ Brown and Julio Jones on offense, or yes. Russ yes. With yes. The ball no, under no, two. no, take no, no lead. You're <laughs> up by five. You're up by five. You're home, home opener. First time since COVID with fans. It, it's whatever. No, no. Brandon's take. out there with all the flockers <laughs> screaming in the rain. Exactly. Exactly. No, like put the defense out there. Let Jamal go make a play. We got ballers on defense. This is a, diff- a different year than even, you know, last year, first, first eight. And then the uh, two, three years ago. So always take the lead. I, I trust our defense. All right. Every time one of those games happens, I'm a couple things. I'm I think of all the reasons why it shouldn't be this close, and then I'm like, I am so glad I'm watching this game right now. This is what I live. This is the excitement. This is the moment, especially when you get to be there live, Brandon. You know when it's coming down to it, the nerves of oh, we got a new OC. How's he going to handle this? But to get to watch Russ orchestrated in person is a beautiful thing. Those those games when you're there in person and you're watching a close ending you know whether it's an overtime or they win it right at the end those are the best games to be at in person they're but they're the games i also uh i, I kind of like the the 20 point victories too <laughs> sure yeah all right so here's a big winner time and i say big winner because third and long is huge uh, we want to be a team that's better at third and long i'm sure that's been a focus in the offseason if we get them into third and long how should we approach AJ Brown and Julio Jones? Should we prioritize the rush? If we're doubling, which one should we lean to or focus on? How are we going to deal with AJ and Julio in third and long? Go ahead, Clinton. Yeah. So um, AJ is the alpha, and and who and Julio is uh, is a Hall of Famer. Um, I listened to uh, the Man to Man podcast this morning or the day before. So uh, Sean Michaels, it's, no, no, Michael Sean. I said that last night too. Michael Sean. Yeah, the, yeah. the wrestler is Sean yeah, Michael. Yeah, Sean Michael came off the <laughs> uh, the middle turn buckle. It was like, why didn't you go to the top? But anyway, so they were talking about this and it was, and and the the dude they had on was actually Ben Arthur, Ben K. Arthur, right? Who used to cover the Seahawks. And it's like Julio is kind of almost in the doghouse already. He's like, he's on Brable's bad side. He um He barely practices. He's only practiced like four times in full with Tannehill. Uh, so far, like all in the entire preseason, and he took a dumb, dumb penalty that Vrabel called out in the press conference, and of course dropped dropped the touchdown. 
All that is to say, you know, safety and everything else over to AJ Brown. With all that, I think the best thing we can do in third and long, I do want to see an extra guy sense. You know, uh, l- listen, get getting getting pressure with just four is wonderful if you can absolutely get it. What I don't want to see is dropping back into three or doing anything dumb like that. But I'd like to see that fifth guy come in. You know, s- send a backer or send send somebody on a, on a bit of a delayed blitz. Put the heat on Tannehill. And and then shade to the AJ Brown side. That's that's how I'd like to see them at least attempt a couple of the third and logs. Yeah, get after Tannehill. Send the extra guy. That's I, I, I'm about that in this game, especially after what I saw the Cardinals do against the Tennessee offensive line. Because if you give Tannehill time, it won't matter if you're given an extra guy. He, you know, if you have AJ Brown covered up, then he's going to find one of those other guys, whether it's his tight end, where whether it's a third receiver running back out of the backfield and and then we're screaming at the TV because they're giving up a third and long. So set, put some pressure on Tannehill. Tannehill seems fairly poor against pressure compared to a lot of quarterbacks we're used to playing. He doesn't seem to handle it real well. He's an accurate thrower, but yeah, if we can get a guy on him, I would love, like Clinton was saying, I'd love to get after him with four, but if it's not working on third down, we can't afford to let him survey because those two big guys, um, Julio has been Mr. Third down for years and AJ is just a man force. And trying to stop them for any amount of time, I don't feel good about that on the outside. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. It's just, and you know, and what was nice about last game too is that we were able to get pretty consistent pressure with four dudes. You know, whether whether it was Taylor or Hyder or Green who had a, a monster day, and I think maybe it's like you could you could see early on, you know, first quarter, a quarter and a half in, are we getting are we getting to Tannehill or at least disrupting him? With just four, you know, so that when we get into situations maybe a little deeper in the game, uh, we we kind of know at that point. All right, we got we have to we have to add in the extra guy to try to get to him. Or, hey man, maybe we, we've already racked up two or three sacks, and and when it hits that third and eleven in that pivotal moment, we feel pretty confident. And, and a dude like Dunlap just breaks through and, and gets that sack. So anyway, it, it's I'm just fired up that we're in a position where we're talking about. We we can get pressure without with our front four, and if we add the fifth, it's going to probably get, it'll be on our terms, not because we have to send Jamal Adams to generate any any pressure. Good, good. Well, on the way out, um, NFC West, of course, looked pretty good last week. Other than all sides of the ball, I would say, except for the 49er defense, the non-Sela defense was kind of a little bit of a choke job there in the second half. If one of them loses, what if one of them loses? You got the 49ers at the Eagles, you got the Rams at the Colts and you got the Vikes going against the cards down in AZ. What if one of them loses, which one do you think it'll be? Oh, I was hoping you were going to say, which one do I want it to be? Well, that could be the same thing. <laughs> Cause I want it to be the, the Rams losing to the Colts because, you know, based off of what we did to the Colts. And then that just shows that, yeah, maybe the Rams aren't uh, anything to worry about this year. So that would be my preference. The team that I would think is most likely to lose. Hmm. San Fran going on the road to Philly? Yes. I'll pick I have that this one. right. Maybe that one. They kind of looked the weakest to me, but what do you think, Clinton? Yeah, I think um, you know, I I think the Rams are gonna roll the Colts. Um, I expect them to beat them fairly, fairly easily. I don't think the Vikings are that good maybe they are and maybe maybe cincinnati is is also that good um i think they're both kind <laughs> right, of the, listen to what you just said come on now <laughs> well but i think they're both in the middle as i'm saying 
I, I, you're, you're trying to convince yourself that maybe the Vikings and the Bengals are about are both, the same and both good. Right. Well, that that's a possibility here. But and with that, I think if anybody. Maybe we just saw a Super Bowl preview with the Vikings <laughs> and the Bengals. We don't know. Somebody alert Prisco, right? Um, I think we're looking at uh, the Eagles could pull the upset off here. And, and it's for me, it's mainly because we still don't know very much about Jalen Hurts. You know, it's like if he could come out and do that, the things he did last game, they certainly have improved their wide receiving core. They seem to still be pretty stingy and good on defense. I don't know. It hurts is the, is the X factor here. So if he could just continue to be may, maybe this, the star QB one that might be emerging, heck go, go ahead, go, go freaking get a W versus the Niners. Yeah. And for me, it was more Jimmy Garoppolo against the Philly defense that I think could be the most difficult matchup. Sure. Yeah, it's a fantastic division. There's a great possibility in a lot of universes that the NFC West will still be all 2-0 after this weekend. I'm looking forward to some good games. Enjoyed the what-if experience. Uh, obviously, hope some of these bests, hope some of these uh, good moments for the Seahawks are going to happen. Those out there watching, uh, I know you're going to have a good time, rain or not. Hopefully, Russ has a great time in the rain. Uh, anything else that we need to add, everybody? Yeah, no rain. Yes, let, let's let's hit let's hit the blind melon on the way out. And and Brandon always want to give you the opportunity to you know remind folks where they could catch everything you're doing, dude. Fieldgoals.com. Click on the podcast button. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. Also, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/flock. Join the flock. We have our Discord chat, and I may not be in the Discord that much because I'm going to be watching the game live. But uh, I might I might pop in there a little bit during the game and uh, give some give some folks some live updates from inside the stadium. And uh, yeah, so check that out. Patreon.com slash flock. Nice. Always always remind folks that it's worth it's worth your few shekels a month. Great, great environment in there. So contribute, get involved. And uh, and it's just it's just it's just a ton of fun. And you know what? You, we get to raise the Hawkra together, which we know is a real thing and actually impacts our Seahawks in the field. So do, you know, do your part, people. That's what I'm trying to say. Clinton, Brandon, what if we say go Hawks? Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Let's do it.